Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for Super Chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Tractor Supply, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Today is Monday, June 30th, and I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in this afternoon on Blog Talk Radio. This is a live radio show that is broadcast around the world. This radio show is all about keeping backyard poultry, show poultry, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit our website, chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tractor Supply. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at UrbanCoopCompany.com. That's UrbanCoopCompany.com. Introducing the Chicken Fountain, a new way to water your flock. The Chicken Fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean, fresh water every time. No more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers. This semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean. 
proudly made in the USA, the Chicken Fountain will provide your flock with fresh, clean water for years to come. To order your Chicken Fountain, visit chickenfountain.com. That's chickenfountain.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, <laughs> you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. I hope you had a wonderful and fabulous weekend with family and friends. It is Monday, and we have a great show lined up for you today. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. We've got a great topic, so get those Chicken Whisperer notebooks out, that pen and paper, and get ready to take some notes in a few minutes when Peter joins us live. If you missed our special Friday episode just a few days ago, we gave away an awesome chicken coop to one lucky listener uh, up in Ohio. So congratulations, and uh, we posted all the winner's information on our Facebook page. We have made contact with her, and uh, she's very, very, very excited. Uh, like uh, everybody else that entered, oh, I just, there's no way I never win anything. There's no way I, I would have ever thought I'd have won, and the whole nine yards. So she promised that when she gets that poop fully assembled, delivered to her front door from Curtis Coops and YardBarns.com, that uh, she's going to take lots of pictures and post them on her Facebook page. So uh, congratulations. Uh, and, uh, hey, we are taking a break for July. There will be no chicken coop contest in the month of July, but we will resume in August with another ultimate chicken coop contest. But that doesn't mean there's no more ways to win. In the summer issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine, you can win an awesome chicken coop from urbancoopcompany.com. And so uh, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, scroll down a little bit to where we post about the magazine, how you can read the digital edition absolutely free. You can subscribe to the digital edition absolutely free. And uh, when you open that up and start reading it, there will be an entire page on how you 
can enter this ultimate chicken coop contest in Chicken Whisperer magazine. So uh, that will take the place for our July's coop. We like to uh, give away lots of coops from our sponsors. We thank them for, for donating them for us to use for our awesome fans. So uh, let's see. It's been uh, 2014. We're approaching the seven. Well, tomorrow is June, uh, July 1st, so that's seven months. And we've given away a coop every month for the first half of 2014. And I must say, they were some awesome chicken coops. We'll take a break in July, though we are having the coop contest in our magazine. But we'll resume with our coop Facebook contest in August. And hopefully we'll have one the rest of uh, the following months in 2014. How awesome would that be? So uh, good luck to everybody uh, in entering that contest in the magazine. One lucky reader. Uh, we'll be able to win that, and uh, we'll probably very soon, in the next probably month or two, month or six weeks, be announcing the winner of the Chicken Coop from the um, spring edition of Chicken Whisper magazine. We give away had another coop contest in that magazine as well. I think the deadline to enter that has already gone, uh, but no worries. We have the coop contest in our summer issue. So uh, good luck to everybody. Uh, as stated, today is Monday, which means we have Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, joining us, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Go ahead and write that down in your notes there, FirstStateVetSupply.com. And Peter's email is ChickenDR, for doctor, ChickenDR at FirstStateVetSupply.com if you have any questions for, for Peter. And uh, again, just in case you didn't know, all the episodes are archived for your listening pleasure, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we have almost 1,000 episodes for you to choose from. So, for example, if you want to listen to a, uh, I don't know, a show about coccidiosis that Dr. McRae did four years ago, you can find it and you can listen to it. So uh, they are archived because I know during the day people work, they're farmers, they're teachers, they're busy moms, whatever the case may be. We have a lot of live listeners, but... We have tons and tons of archive listeners, and we thank you very much for listening to the archive. So let's get over here to the phone lines, and let's first give Peter Brown a big chicken whisperer welcome. All righty, very good. As soon as this button works, there we go. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Andy, how are you? I'm hanging in there. It's been one of those days. I think I posted on my personal Facebook page. I said, well, it's it's uh, the day started with a little frustration, but it seems to be getting a little bit better, and I stressed that a little bit better. But I think my initial post uh, that I didn't end up posting and wanted to be more mellow was like, um, it's going to be one of those days, but I can't complain because I woke up and I didn't see dirt, and I have a happy and and I have a happy and healthy family, and uh, so, no, I cannot complain. But um, I, I had to race that and just, but, you know, woke up and I uh, had some things on my to-do list and I uh, started doing them and, and uh, just ran into some frustration along the way. I turned around a little bit mid-morning, and then and then uh, we're just, we're, we're hanging in there. It's one day at a time, and it's, I think I put on my post that, that I posted was that, you know, um, I just have to learn uh, a little patience and that I can't control everything. And I think I also posted, darn, this OCD. <laughs> you just, you know, you just kind of got to flow with the waves, you know, uh, just take the punches as they come and, and uh, 
roll with them and whatnot. Just try not to be so in control of OCD and, and have a little patience. Things will get done. You know, you'll eventually get the mark them off your to-do list. Just, I'm kind of like saying, you know, wake up. And I'm like, okay, this, 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 this. And we're going off the list as quickly, efficiently, and as, you know, as possible. So they're done with. I can mark them off my list. And uh, the first one this morning just didn't get done. I was hoping that the company would be able to get it done, but it's going to be until tomorrow, so that's still lingering, and I'm ready to get it done. And so there's just that kind of thing. So I blame my OCD because most people probably wouldn't bother them. I just I like to get things done, check them off my list, and say, okay, next. Uh, yeah, I, I hate. I hate carrying stuff over from one day to another, but my list grows longer all the time, so the carryover is quite large. And uh, so, some days I, I, I can share that frustration. So, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. it can be difficult some days trying to get everything done and get everybody pulling you in nine different directions and, you know, everybody wants an answer to something or, or whatever. And, um, just try to... Uh, just try to do the best. Yeah, and, and I guess in, in your work, everybody's uh, uh, answer is uh, could be life-threatening for their for their birds. Everybody, you know, it's it's, it's a time issue. Can I get it done today? You know, I need some answering. Can I have the ship today? And you know, and for them, it's it's mission critical. And, uh, and there's only one Peter Brown, the chicken doctor. <laughs> so yeah, I can I can completely see in, in your world with your business how uh, everybody pretty much who calls is like. I need this now, you know, whether, oh, yeah. it's, whether it's their issue of waiting to the last minute or whatever the case may be. So, yes, I feel your, I feel your pain today. <laughs> yeah, it's that way. And the same thing with, you know, doing projects. You know, there's always a hold up. Um, I don't care how you plan it. And, um, you know, my, my biggest thing is if I'm trying to do something either around the office mechanical-wise or something, drill bits are my deal. <laughs> trying to find the right drill bit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, or anything when it comes to tools, it's like, oh, I'll put that back later. Let me just set it here. I'll remember to put it back, or then it gets misplaced, and you go to find it, and you can't be there. Yeah, projects are, are the big thing I'm dealing with. The, the pro- and, of course, we're hoping that we want to just get home. You know, we love being on the road, but it, we're both, Jen and I are both, like, ready to get home and uh, get situated for at least the next six weeks before I go on, on, on tour again with Tractor Supply. We have things there on our to-do list, and so these, these few projects have the latest uh, at least, let's see, two, maybe three days. So now we're like, oh, let's just get home, get this project done. And so, um, but yeah, absolutely. So we got a great, uh, a good topic today. Folks have got yeah. the pens and papers out ready to take some, some notes. And uh, yeah, this, this um, is we're ready to, to gain knowledge about our backyard flocks from you, my friend. Yeah, this isn't a huge, huge, huge subject, but in, in a sense, mm-hmm. uh, it, it is. It's extremely important. I know that much. Um, yeah. And uh, it gets confused with other types of of, uh, of worms, and we're going to be talking today about capillaria or capillary worms. Uh, for those that need the spelling on it, it's C A P I L L A R I A, or you can say capillary C A P I L L A R Y, or if you like, you can use some of the other. Uh, uh, synonyms that are used for this thing, uh, uh, thread worms, hair worms, uh, things of that nature. And the reason for those, um, those uh, names, obviously, it, it, it identifies what it actually looks like. Uh, these worms are quite small um, uh, so, and, and relatively long. Uh, I'm not sure uh, in my mind um, what <coughs> the actual um, 
numbers are as far as uh, in inches, but somewhere between uh, 8 and 18 uh, millimeters long. Um, so they're, they're not, not overly huge, but uh, the, the uniqueness of these are, and another thing uh, you know, that a lot of people don't know about them, they are a type of roundworm. Okay. And, uh, but uh, they can be very, very uh, destructive uh, and very devastating uh, in a flock. Um, they can be, can be and are uh, extremely hard to get rid of. Um, the word, to me, threadworm, um, suits them the best because they have a tendency to get into the lining of the intestinal tract and more or less weave themselves in which makes them pretty tough to get out. So you can just, um, those of you uh, uh, who are listening that, that sew clothes, you'll know what I'm talking about. When you put a piece of thread into clothing and you're kind of going down and under, back up, down and under, back up, down and under, back up, and then you find out that you've hooked two or three pieces of cloth together that you didn't want, and now you got to go back and take it out. Yeah, for us, it's relatively easy, but it's still a pain uh, these worms, when they get embedded like this, and, and they do, uh, are very difficult to get rid of. Um, the uh, flip side of that is uh, you use a wormer to, to try to get rid of them. Unless they uh, back <coughs> all the way out of the tissue, uh, then they start an inflammatory response uh, by the immune system. So uh, then you get a, a inflammation uh, and swelling of the intestinal tract, uh, uh, or wherever else they have uh, lodged themselves. So when all of this happens, uh, this can be very overwhelming to a bird, especially one that's uh, uh, got other issues, um, uh, such as uh, Marek's disease or coccidiosis or any other intestinal issue or any other health issue that has the immune system under attack. Uh, these guys are not going to help you out at all. These guys are just going to make a, a bird more debilitated, uh, more run down, uh, weaker, and uh, more susceptible to dying uh, than it would if it were just by itself. But in and of itself, it, it kills a lot of birds, uh, goes misdiagnosed all the time. Um, and I don't know if you posted it on Facebook or not, but the, the title really is, is Focus Capillary Worms, uh, the Hidden Killer in Your Flock. And, yep. uh, you know, one of the reasons that that we, we call it that, at least I do, is that uh, this disease has a tendency to mimic uh, coccidiosis very, very closely. Um, you know, a, a wet, watery diarrhea, uh, maybe some uh, tinge of blood in the droppings, depending on how bad the parasite infection uh, is in, in the intestinal tract, um, emaciation of the bird, weight loss, uh, loss of egg production, uh, you name it, all of the, all the things that generally apply, uh, you know, to, uh, to a bird that's, that has a problem apply in, in this instance. The bird that sits in the corner doesn't want to come out of the coop. And, you know, by all rights, if you come out in the morning and, and there's only kind of one doing it and nobody else is doing it, um, you can be tipped off either way. You can say this is a particular problem with this one bird. I uh, can't understand why one has coccidiosis and not the rest and make some sort of a uh, uh, educated guess from there. Or you can look at it and say, oh, I've seen that before. That's coccidiosis. And you go get your a cord or your Amprol or your sulfadimethoxine or your Solmet or whatever you're using, and you go and you treat the bird, it doesn't get better. And you, you switch around the treatment from the uh, 
ampral accord and you go with a sulfadimethoxine, doesn't get better. You come back around and you try sulmet and it doesn't get better. And then eventually the bird dies and you just write it off to coccidiosis. Uh, this is one of the reasons why uh, it's extremely important, whether you do your own postmortems or you ship them off to a laboratory to get it done, uh, it's extremely important to open them up, take a look-see. Uh, I keep talking about the uh, color disease poster that we have. Um, I dare say that there's anybody that's bought it that would want to return it, um, you know, uh, other than the fact that maybe they got out of chickens and not using it or they decided not to do their own postmortems. But as far as it being a value, uh, the feedback that I've gotten from folks that have bought it is just an invaluable tool to uh, uh, to help you decide what's wrong because it shows you what everything looks like in, in, in good condition, but it also shows you what it, uh, all the different disease uh, entities are, uh, the majority of them, not every single one, but all of the major ones, and worms are part of it, and there are, there are some worms on that one too, and the mycoplasma and all the other, Newcastle bronchitis, laryngotracheitis, uh, um, and all of these different things, coccidiosis. So you would be able, using this, uh, to take a look at uh, the, the bird's uh, internal organs after you do your, do your necropsy and uh, decide for yourself uh, you know, what may be wrong. You may not be totally right, but more than likely you won't be totally wrong either. And uh, the more you do it, the more knowledge you gain, the more confidence you gain in doing it, the better you become at it, and the more accurate you become. And... Uh, it's really just that simple. But this disease goes um, unnoticed, uh, like I said, for the uh, reasons above uh, that we just talked about. And the, the other thing is that you can't readily see the, these worms in the droppings because the worms themselves just generally don't come out. They're not defecated out in the droppings like other worms might be, like uh, tapeworms, like uh, normal roundworms. Okay. The way that the uh, the eggs are expelled from the bird in the droppings, you may not see that either because of the fact that it's a timing factor. Uh, if the eggs are uh, maturing and being uh, defecated out in the droppings, when you just happen to pick up a particular dropping, somebody might be able to find them <clears throat> by looking at it under a microscope. I dare say you'll find it with the naked eye. Uh, they're extremely small under the microscope, uh, an opaqueish, uh, white, almost clear center. Uh, some uh, reddish uh, coloring around the uh, outs outside peripheral part, uh, and they actually do look like uh, little footballs. Okay, but they are extremely small. So uh, there, there isn't any great tip-off that you have a problem with capillary worms. Um, it can also be confused uh, at times uh, with uh, gape worm because um, depending on the species of worm uh, and where it decides to set up shop, uh, these can be located anywhere from the small intestine uh, up through the uh, proventriculus, the crop, uh, and in some cases even the esophagus. So um, birds that have these uh, worms uh, threading themselves in the crop and the esophagus and so on, they may... Um, uh, exhibit that, that gaping effect that we see with birds that have gape worm. And uh, so uh, it may be mistaken from, from that uh, standpoint. Um, so when you, you know, when you start looking at this thing, that this is a silent killer. This is one that can be present in a flock, uh, and it doesn't have to be everybody because unless the uh, bird that is exhibiting the symptoms has consumed uh, the, either the egg some species are what they call uh, direct, some are indirect. 
Um, and all this means is that uh, uh, direct means the bird defecated out something and passed it on to another bird that way, uh, meaning there's no intermediate host, whereas some of the species of this particular worm uh, require an intermediate host, and that intermediate host uh, would be the earthworm. And we find this a lot in the backyard setting, uh, small flock holder setting, uh, free range um, uh, type of a situation because of the fact that these birds are out and after a rain they're the ones that are going to have the access to the to the worms. Mm -hmm. And if a worm is infected with this uh, particular uh, uh, type of capillaria, uh, then they're going to pick it up. So unless the bird is consumed, one may consume uh, earthworms, but they may not have uh, the, uh, uh, the capillary egg inside them, so no big deal. But others may. So th this can be, you know, an ongoing problem in a flock, um, and uh, again, happens a lot in the uh, backyard small flock holder uh, setting. Uh, some of the, some of these species of of, uh, of capillaria like the deep litter, and I know there's some people uh, that have some some smaller flocks that are experimenting and playing around with the uh, deep litter uh, situation. Um, it's it's a it's not a bad situation as long as you don't let it get out of control, but um, you still need to be, you know, observant about these things. And when you when you find a bird that you might think has coccidiosis, but you can't see any real symptoms of it, I would start to lean away from coccidiosis. Not going to hurt to throw some ampril in the water, not at all. But it's also going to be very wise and very smart, in my opinion, to start looking somewhere else uh, to see if there's another problem uh, such as capillaria. I mean, you know, you could have gape worms or, or any other worm for that matter, but the majority of them, you're going to see them in the droppings. Uh, the uh, gape worms, you're not really going to see them very much in the droppings. Sometimes you'll see, uh, with the gape worm, you'll see a black dropping because of the uh, when the worms uh, do make it out uh, and down uh, out through the digestive system, uh, they are engorged with blood, and so you may see, uh, depending on how many make it out, you might see some. Uh, some blacker dropping. That doesn't mean every black dropping means you have gape worms either. But these are all tip-offs. These are all signs, little flags that go up and should make you start thinking. Uh, and that's why we do this show. That's why we're doing this show today, because I've been seeing uh, several cases of what we believe uh, to be uh, capillary worms. Uh, I have uh, uh, an actual confirmed case where there was some mortality uh, and these were free-range birds. So it's a, it's a good subject to bring up. Uh, it's a prime time of the year for it. Uh, you know, weather's warm everywhere you go these days for the most part. Uh, in some areas of the country, uh, they're being inundated with uh, rain, uh, flooding, uh, and all of those kinds of conditions. Again, moisture and, and heat are going to make these uh, uh, eggs uh, proliferate in the soil. They take... Uh, they take about six or eight days, uh, depending on uh, on the temp temperature outside, um, uh, to uh, to mature, <coughs> and uh, they live out on the ground. Dep again, depending on the temperature, the hotter and drier it is, uh, the shorter the time they're going to be out there for a bird to uh, ingest them. But um, they're going to live roughly about about two weeks. Um, and it, it may take uh, two weeks or more uh, after uh, ingestion of the of the uh, uh, 
eggs of, of these worms to to uh, to get a uh, a full blown case of this rocket and rolling uh, within the bird. Um, and again, that's that's subject to how how good uh, quality the egg was. I mean, if it was half dead when they got it, maybe it won't hurt them at all. Uh, it might take longer. Uh, uh, you know, and, and that kind of, uh, of type of situation, but. Um, this is, is very debilitating to, to the bird. Uh, again, a lot of weight loss. Um, you know, and, and you, you're going to get around the same thing. You're going to pick this bird up, and it's not going to have any weight to it. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to mimic coccidiosis right down the line. You know, that knife breasting we see, uh, the bird sitting in the corner. Saying, you know, I mean, we've, we've all seen it. This one is just a little bit different, and it takes a little bit more uh, paying attention to it. And if I only had one bird in a flock, uh, and again, going back in the morning, checking everybody's droppings for parasites, blood, uh, or any other abnormalities, and you've only got uh, Molly sitting over in the corner and she doesn't want to move, I would start warming. And that, that's the direction you know, that I would, I would go uh, you know, in a situation like that. Um, the, um, again, these worms are uh, very small, hair-like. Um, I can't um, uh, say that enough so that when you, if you were to open up a bird on, on necropsy, what you would basically see uh, is a very, very thin uh, but somewhat long uh, worm uh, embedded in the lining of the, of the intestine wherever it has uh, set up shop. And it's going to be hard to, hard to tell exactly what species you have, but it really doesn't matter. They're all treated in the same way. So once again, uh, I'll, I'll name a couple uh, of, of different species, but th there's no need to get you know, whack-a-doodle about it because uh, you're not going to know more than likely what you're looking at anyway if, uh, as far as the species of it is concerned. Uh, but the uh, uh, Capillara, uh, Capillaria uh, annulata, and that's spelled A-N-N-U-L-A-T-A, and the Capillaria uh, cantorta, uh, C-O-N-C-O-R-T-A. Uh, these are the two that um, inhabit the crop and the esophagus more often than not. Um, you can find them other areas. Um, sometimes you'll find them in the uh, uh, in the cecal tonsils, or what people call cecal pouches, <clears throat> but um, not always uh, the, the case as far as that's concerned. You might find them. Um, in the uh, small intestine, the small intestine being the larger part um, of the uh, intestinal tract, and, uh, in, in what they call the, the duodenal loop, um, you'll find them in, in that particular area uh, as well. Um, and again, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can say, "Oh, that's this, this species of that," or just give you an idea, you know, where these things reside, where they live, and uh, uh, knowing that they can mimic some of the other uh, disease symptoms I think is extremely important um, uh, because uh, <clears throat> these, uh, for instance, this other uh, confirmed case of, of birds that we had, um, those were treated for a respiratory condition and they were treated for coccidiosis. Nothing worked. Nothing. No, no not even got better for a moment. And. Um, at my suggestion was to take the bird to the uh, laboratory, and that's where the diagnosis was made, the capillary worms. So, okay. um, you know, it is a big deal. And, um, 
you know, what a person might see at, at a, a necropsy. Uh, again, <clears throat> I said earlier that these, uh, these worms have a tendency to uh, stay in place. Um, it would be nice thinking that if you could use a uh, wormer that uh, would uh, just kind of force them out <clears throat> and uh, then have them uh, defecated out and be done with it, that would be uh, you know, perfect in a perfect world. But um, more often than not, <clears throat> these guys will hang around um, and inflame that intestine and so on. And what we'll see sometimes uh, with this, um, uh, not upon a necropsy, but sometimes what we'll see is the birds stop eating. And um, sometimes that's another tip-off with uh, this, this particular uh, worm. Um, <clears throat> it, it has a tendency to... Um, and again, the infestation has to be uh, severe enough to cause some of these. One or two worms are not going to do this. But uh, the more worms that uh, a bird has in the intestine, the more severe it is. These have a uh, tendency to have a paralytic effect or a paralyzing effect on the intestinal tract. So uh, if that's happening and you've got them in the crop and uh, uh, the esophagus and things of that nature, uh, the bird's probably not going to eat. So... Um, you know, we've talked about this uh, a, a lot. Um, uh, if we remember, we had that Cornell study that I read to everybody that one right. day we yeah. had a show and, and so on. Uh, in actuality, out of the 600 and some odd um, uh, submissions of birds of all descriptions that were made, um, one-sixth of those was exter uh, internal parasites, which I thought was quite large. Um, and the actual number, I believe, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, was... Uh, it was 630, 635 submissions. A hundred of those were um, uh, internal parasites. That's pretty huge. There was actually more than the mycoplasma and and and, uh, and some of the others, which was uh, uh, you know quite surprising. And uh, that was from all across the country. Yes, it was small samples, but it was still from all over the country. This, the, if you remember, it was quite a few states were involved, and especially yeah. California, which has a tremendous reporting system. So you know everything there was. Is you know, not that, not that the others were any different, but I mean, it was a different uh, uh, type of reporting system where they really had a handle on just about everything, which was pretty pretty uh, pretty uh, uh, pretty interesting to to me from my standpoint because uh, uh, I personally didn't think that uh, ex uh, internal parasites were quite the problem that they are, but evidently uh, in a small backyard, uh, small flockholder setting, free range type of a deal. Uh, they are, and evidently it's going unnoticed quite a bit. So, the, you know, this is a uh, <clears throat> important subject to be talking about at this point in time. Yeah, so sure. if you, if you, um, you know, to open up the bird, um, and again, when you um, have an opportunity to do a postmortem on a bird, um, I, I, if you don't uh, like the idea of the disease chart, then I... I uh, uh, have uh, talked about it in the past about taking a bird that um, uh, may not be fitting in with the flock, whether it be male or female, and euthanize that bird that you deem to be healthy and use that bird as your tool to then look at the organs of the uh, bird that was having the problem and compare the two and compare what you think is healthy on one hand to what you think may be diseased on the other hand and go down the list uh, 
you know, one, one organ at a time and take a look at each and everything. When you open up the crop, let's say, or even the intestine, the, you, you start to uh, uh, manipulate the, uh, the, uh, um, the surface tissue, the mucosal lining of, of, the, uh, of the crop or the, in, the intestine, you'll see them right, under, right underneath it. It's kind of like peeling it away, and you'll, you'll see them um, uh, thread themselves <coughs> all throughout the intestine, uh, the crop, uh, the esophagus, uh, uh, the, the small intestine, the duodenal loop, and, and so on. So you'll see that, and you'll see this reddening and thickening uh, of the intestine. And when you see a spot where there isn't any of that, then you'll, you'll, you'll be able to judge for yourself. You'll be able to see the difference between the two. It's usually a, um, a um, darkish uh, red um, not necessarily a, a, a blood red, but um, somewhere in between that. And you'll know the difference when you see it, you know, you want, especially if you've had an opportunity to look at something that was healthy <clears throat> and then uh, jump across and look at something, uh, you know, that, that's unhealthy and you'll recognize it right away. But uh, I can't, <clears throat> I can't um, stress enough the opportunity to, uh, to do a, a post-mortem uh, whenever the opportunity comes along. Uh, just the same as we talk about doing an egg breakout. You know, you right. might be happy that, yeah, you might be happy that you set 20 eggs and 18 of them hatched, but I'm not. I'm glad that 18 hatched, but I want to know why the other two didn't. Because you may be able to, to uh, ward off a problem that's coming down the pike that you can't see because you didn't look at those two eggs. Next time around, you might only hatch 14 or 15. So, well, wait a minute. Last time I hatched 18, now I'm down to 15. And the next time, you might hatch none when you could have caught it by taking a look at those other two eggs and seeing, you know, maybe they were, maybe they were the oldest, oldest eggs in the bunch. Maybe not. Maybe they died because, they, you know, they lost too much moisture too quickly because of poor eggshells. Well, that's correctable. So, <clears throat> you know, people need to look uh, and observe. And, I mean, when I learned all this stuff years ago, I mean... Old Jim Cecil, old hog veterinarian, said, "Stop looking, listen, dude." He said, they'll, "They'll tell you exactly what's wrong with them." And you know, uh, for the most part, he was he was correct in, in, uh, in you know, giving me those words of wisdom. So I pass them on to you for whatever it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it's um, uh, it's just one of those worms that <clears throat> you're not going to see it very easily. Uh, like I said, it was isn't a long subject. Um, Again, the, the, I'll go back over the symptoms because I think it's important. The emaciation of the bird, the weight loss, the knife-breasted bird, the bird that sits in the corner won't come out, uh, ruffled feathers, you pick them up, they don't weigh anything, uh, white, watery diarrhea, it could even be clear diarrhea, it may be tinged with blood, it may not be tinged with blood. Uh, you won't see any worms in the droppings, per se. Uh, you won't see the eggs as a general rule. Uh, all of those things... Uh, uh, you know, are part of this, this particular uh, uh, problem. Uh, and you may not see it in every bird. And that, again, may be your tip-off as, uh, yeah. as to, you know, what's going on with this uh, particular uh, uh, bird that may be uh, affected with this. Um, treatments, um, I'm a big fan of uh, Levisol, uh, and the reason for that is it's highly effective, been proven so. Um, and secondly, you dump it in the drinking water. You can't beat it with a stick. If you've got 200 birds and you think they've got uh, 
capillary worms or, or gape worms or whatever, uh, Levisol would be a, a number one product to put in the drinking water, uh, easy to do, mix it up, put it in the water, walk away from it for the day. Uh, uh, if you think you've got a real bad infestation on it, run it for a couple of days. Come back in 10 days, do it again, and once a month after that. And uh, that should take care of it. Ivermectin should work, okay? Uh, Valbazin should work. Uh, Safeguard Fenbendazole should work. Uh, but all of those are much more difficult, uh, except for the Valbazin. That can be put in the drinking water, and I have specific directions for doing so. Um, the one that won't work is the typical uh, <coughs> roundworm wormer that we all use, meaning the wazine. will do absolutely nothing. It works for roundworms uh, only. Even though this is a species of roundworm, it will not work for this one whatsoever. And, um, you know, wazine is heavily leaned on by everybody uh, throughout the poultry world, even in the commercial poultry industry, for those that... Uh, have uh, floor-type flocks and breeders and, that are on the floor and that kind of stuff. Uh, but it is the old standby for, uh, for worming for roundworms, but will do you no good uh, with this particular uh, type of worm. And again, go back and be that poop inspector because you can eliminate a few things. Okay, So you might say, well, why go back and look if you can't see this in the droppings? No, but you could see regular roundworms. Okay? You could see tapeworms. Uh, you could see uh, possible coccidiosis from the standpoint of uh, blood or, or, uh, or that type of thing. Uh, not going to necessarily point 100% to coccidiosis, but certainly could uh, have you thinking about it anyway. Uh, you could certainly treat for coccidiosis. I would also look at the number of birds. I would suspect in a flock <coughs> that had capillary worms uh, that it would be a few birds. Um, most most birds, not all, and we've talked about this before. When you let them out, they head for the hills. They got their own little hunting ground where they go, and, <laughs> and uh, you know they go over there and eat, they eat whatever's in their own little world. And, and you know, not all of them uh, are going to be getting along that well that they're all going to huddle up and uh, you know form a little circle and share. It isn't, generally isn't happening. So for the most part, um, you know, it, it wouldn't present itself as a uh, total flock problem, but it could become one because those birds that go undiagnosed can be dropping these uh, uh, eggs out into the uh, uh, the environment. And again, that's where the built-up litter thing comes. You know, you uh, you keep adding litter on top of old litter. And I'm not poo-pooing it. Properly managed, it's a it's a great way to uh, to do things. And I know people uh, that do that. As a matter of fact, I have a client in New England. Um, he's a disabled veteran and an uh, avid listener of the show, and he is uh, the biggest fan of the oil of oregano since he started using it. Um, he has difficulty in the wintertime uh, managing his litter, and since he has uh, gone on the oil of oregano in his, uh, uh, in his flock, uh, the problem has pretty much gone away, and he's been able to uh, manage that litter a whole lot better. So there are, there are ways to get around things. There are things you can do. Uh, this one here will uh, slowly, uh, in my opinion, uh, nickel-dime you to death. It will be one bird here, one bird there. Uh, uh, over, over a period of time, this other flock that I uh, have uh, uh, knowledge of, that where the diagnosis was positive from the uh, laboratory, um, 
that this is a, a, a one-bird situation out of approximately, um, I think there's 40 or 50 birds in that flock, almost all free-range. There's some, uh, I believe, uh, guineas and peafowl or, or whatever in, in the flock as well. So it, it plays to what I'm saying, uh, a particular bird showing a particular set of symptoms uh, that are not necessarily uh, going to lead you directly to uh, what the problem is. But I think the tip-offs here are, again, uh, that lone bird or two that nothing that you would uh, normally be giving them seems to work. Uh, I think I'd start leaning towards the, uh, uh, towards the uh, capillary worms, gape worms, something along those lines, uh, because this one definitely uh, can be that silent killer. Got any yeah. questions, Andy? No, no questions. Uh, interesting topic, and it's uh, we've, we've covered worms a lot, but it's uh, like I said, this particular topic, uh, like you said, it's uh, the the, um, the silent killer of the flock, and, and the interesting part that it can mimic coccidiosis, which you would feel that most people would immediately say, "Oh, it's coccidiosis," um, where there might be a little bit more investigative investigation mm -hmm. work done to really determine what, what this is. And we've seen that with so many other diseases you talk about when we bring you on, is that, you know, for the most part, a lot of diseases will have the same onset of symptoms and then, uh, you know, until something happens differently. And so people just all of a sudden run out and say, oh, it's coccidiosis or, oh, it's merits. And there can be a whole list of things where you have to really dig deeper, uh, especially if you don't have that that, that deeper knowledge. It can, uh, it can get you in trouble or it can uh, uh, exasperate the... Um, the, the illness may be spread un unnecessarily, so um, it's, uh, it's very, very interesting as I listen to this and, uh, and other, others I see that key where you know, it can present just like something else, but until we do a little bit more in-depth investigation, um, you may not find it, so uh, very interesting. Thanks for pointing that out to us. Yeah, there's a whole lot more uh, species of these that may uh, inhabit different uh, uh, portions of, of the intestinal tract. Um, you know, uh, there's another one, I, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, the, the, uh, the species name, but it doesn't really matter, but it's always been referred to as, as a stomach worm, and that would be something that is going to hang out more in the proventriculus, which is the true glandular stomach of the bird. So if you're looking at, at the bird, um, the digestive system, you're looking at the, uh, you know, the mouth, and then there's a short um, uh, piece of, uh, of esophagus that goes down to the, uh, to the crop, and then from the crop, there's another uh, short piece of, uh, of esophagus that brings it over to the, uh, uh, the uh, glandular stomach called the proventriculus. Uh, and the proventriculus is the first place where any real uh, digestive enzymes and so on are being uh, added to the, the feed that's coming through. Uh, and this, as we're talking about this, got a few minutes. Uh, the... Uh, this is one of the reasons why I say to people, because uh, after the proventriculus comes the gizzard, so you're, you're a long distance with the gizzard away from the mouth. And so when people, you know, uh, have birds that are crop bound, or, and I've talked about this before, I mentioned it, I think it's worth mentioning again, and you put in grit, you're not doing any good because it's never going to make it. If it's not getting out of the crop, it sure as heck isn't going to get over to the gizzard, yeah. you know. So <clears throat> it's just really knowing, you know, where all these things are located, what they do, um, you know what what you can do. I mean, people have um, all different methodologies for uh, getting a bird that's crop bound uh, straightened out, and so on and so forth. And I don't argue with anything that works. I really don't care. Um, the ultimate goal is to make the system work. 
so that food goes in one end, comes out the other end, digested the way it's supposed to. Um, but when you have these different types of worms, whether they be round, regular round worms, whether they be uh, uh, sequel worms, whether they be capillary worms, whether they, whether it be uh, gape worms or tapeworms, uh, it interferes with the digestive system. And here's another thing to think about. The longer this goes on in this intestine, the longer this inflammatory response goes on, the more damage is done to the intestine. And then when the bird recovers, now we have another problem. If the damage is severe enough, we don't have the proper absorption of nutrients. We have a bird that may eat more to compensate for it, for number one, or we have a bird that, even though it may eat more uh, to try to get the nutrients, still isn't going to be able to get the nutrients because when we look at a good, healthy gut that's been well taken care of, um, the, uh, the villi in, in, in the intestine are what slow the feed down so that it can be absorbed at the bottom of the V against the uh, intestinal wall. Okay? And what else lies in the intestine? About 60% of the bird's uh, gut-associated lymphoid tissue immune system. So, you know, this, this is a huge deal, not only with coccidiosis, but this kind of worm and any other kind of worm. So it can be a long-lasting uh, situation. You can take a bird that was very productive, whether it had been a breeder bird or just a bird producing eggs, and allowed it uh, to get into a situation now where it may not lay uh, enough eggs, it may not lay uh, um, eggs with good shells because of damage to the, uh, to the intestinal tract and so on. So, you know, all of these things, uh, from, from my perspective, uh, you know, play a part in this, and it's extremely important to be very diligent, get the five-gallon bucket out, take a look at everybody, and to pick your birds up more, uh, more often, especially uh, in, the, in the summertime when, when things get really rocking and rolling out here. And uh, on another note, um, I think it might be worthy to mention uh, about uh, going back and listening to the, uh, the last show that we did about uh, uh, how to keep your birds from uh, succumbing to the heat because it's starting to heat up again. And, uh, we're Yep, July 4th weekend coming, and we're looking at some temperatures here going to be close to 90 degrees, and if the humidity picks up, it'll be just stifling out there. And I think it's you know worthy of, uh, of uh, going back and listening to the show. I don't remember what episode it is, but it really doesn't matter. If they just Google it, they'll be able to find it uh, on, yep. on the show uh, real, real quick. And uh, on another note, we are offering on the website, for those that are interested, our one-gallon uh, large base water. Uh, we normally sell them online for $4.99, and we're offering two for $6.95. So uh, that, that's a bargain as far as I'm concerned. So, and they shop around gallon. and look. Pardon? That's the one gallon? This is a one gallon. Um, the difference between this one is uh, the uh, it's, it's plastic, but it's a very heavy plastic. Uh, it doesn't let the light rays in from outside. It's an um, uh, injection-molded piece versus a blow-molded piece. Okay. Uh, blow-molded ones are those real thin ones you can see through. And this is a, a lug lock versus a screw-on. So these, uh, you know, they can go up, there's a nice picture of it on, on the website, and uh, they're, they're, they're really, really nice. What I like about it, besides all of those little features, is I like the fact that uh, the base of this is larger. That means that more birds get to drink at one time. And it's not just a little bit larger. It's 18% larger. And uh, that's, that's huge. So if you look at your standard um, 
uh, one-gallon jug that's uh, blow-molded that comes with a plastic base. This one is considerably larger, uh, larger and a little bit deeper, so it allows for more water to be in there and more birds to get around it at the same time. And the heat, <coughs> they're fantastic. We use them here um, and, uh, you know, don't have any problem with them. We've been using them now for, you know, here for at least a year. She had them in Michigan for several years. And uh, they wear well, and, they, and when you don't need the extras, they stack uh, one on top of the other very nicely. Uh, it has a rib top. The top is smaller than the rest of it, so that you can grab it and hold it. Yeah. For, you know, and they don't they don't crush. If you know, if you've got one of the uh, blow molded ones and you really put some pressure on it, the top crushes in a little bit and slips out of your hand. Uh, these don't do that. Do you? You can't crush them with your hand like that. So they're very sturdy, uh, very hardy, large, and cheap. <laughs> Perfect, and that's at firststatevetsupply.com if you're wondering out there in listener land, uh, www.firststatevetsupply.com. If you have any questions regarding today's topic or any other topic you listen to, uh, it's chicken dr at firststatevetsupply.com. Check them out. If they don't have it, you don't need it. And uh, another great topic, another great day from Peter Brown, also known as the chicken Doctor. So, Peter, we thank you very much for joining us today. Another great topic, uh, very relevant. And, again, you can go back and if you just Google search uh, Chicken Whisperer, Chicken Doctor, uh, you know, heat management, then uh, you'll be able to find that episode we were just talking about. So no worries yeah, there. I'll try that. Are you, and, uh, yes, that'll be what worked out good. And if you missed this show, came in halfway through, quarter of the way through, just came on five seconds ago, no worries. You can listen to this show in its entirety. Uh, probably about 15 or 20 minutes after we say goodbye at uh, iTunes.com, Podcast.com, Zoom.com, right here on BlogTalkRadio.com, the fastest way in about 15, 20 minutes. It'll be at our five, and you can listen to the show in its entirety. So, Peter, thank you very much for joining us again today. We look forward to seeing you next Monday for another great topic on keeping our chickens healthy. We'll see you then. Have a good weekend. Great. You too. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. When you need an incubator, think Brensi, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensi.com. Brensi spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brensi.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brensi. Technology you can trust. 
Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. Here to tell you that if you have backyard poultry, nothing is more important than making sure your feathered friends are safe from infectious poultry diseases. Learn the simple steps to keep your birds healthy by visiting this website, healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. That's healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. A message from the USDA. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Uh, again, tune in Monday through Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, when we bring you more information from reliable sources, studies, study-based, fact-based um, information about your health of your backyard chickens. Don't just rely on a blog or a forum that we're in. Our guest today was Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State vetsupply.com. Remember, there's no contest for the month of July for the coops, but we will uh, restart that in August. But there is currently a coop contest in our magazine, Chicken Whisperer Magazine. You can uh, enter that, subscribe for free to the digital edition at chickenwhisperer.com. So thank you very much for tuning in today. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Blog Talk Radio. God bless everybody. Uh-huh.